and search for muscle. This is podcast number three. You might notice there is some noise in the background, and that is because, as usual, I was working out in the gym, and actually I was reviewing the first two podcasts. I I really enjoyed doing them, and I really enjoyed reviewing them and going back through them, and while doing so, I realized there was a few areas that I might want to talk about, and so I started making notes, and I started even looking into some source material where I might go to strengthen those uh, those arguments, I guess. And what I realized while getting ready to leave is that I was doing exactly what I didn't want to do, which was just talking about what I quote-unquote know. That's not what I want to do with this series. I want to actually talk about what I don't know and try to work through them. And that may not be quite as informative, but it hopefully will bring new ideas into light, at least new theories. And so that's what I wanted to do. The things that I mentioned that I wanted to talk about was the zone of proximal development, which is something that a... um, a developmental psychologist whose name escapes me uh, came up with and is comparable to the comfort zone. I wanted to talk a little bit about that and how in a sense this pushing yourself outside the comfort zone is required for physical training as well as psychological development and how that's in a sense what I wanted to do with this podcast, with this audio series. Um, I wanted to work on that. I also wanted to talk about something that is called the contrast principle, or uh, I think it's also referred to as the perception effect. And essentially that's sort of tricking yourself um, by giving yourself something difficult to do first and then relatively easier following that. And I was thinking about how this could be applicable in fitness and the the idea of reverse pyramid training came to my mind and I actually decided to kind of implement that. I I will actually talk a little bit about that, but not in the way that I was thinking of when I was making these notes. So, like I said, I'm just going to talk about some things maybe I don't know. I want to talk about, I was thinking of maybe talking about self-awareness a little bit because it's, it since I consider it to be kind of the first foundation of physical and psychological development, I think it's a good place for us to uh, try to make sure that we're doing that at least to some extent. So I'm just going to muddle through this a little bit. Like I said, I'm in traffic um, because this is where my ideas tend to flow. The gym and then here. And in the gym, obviously, I'd look like a lunatic if I were to uh, start talking into my recorder. So I'm not going to do that. I'll do it in my car instead because I look like a little bit less of a lunatic when people see me uh, talking to myself in the car. Not that that should worry us, of course, but, well, anyway. There is something to be said, I think, for having courtesy for people around you. So we'll we'll call it that instead. Right, so... One thing that I've found to be constant in trying to accomplish anything, really, is to first decide what you want, 
then think of, of why you want it and then make your plan, your how. So first what, then why, then how. And so far to me that pattern has not been disproven. In fact, it has proven quite effective. So if we're talking about self-awareness, so what? What is it? What exactly do I mean when I say self-awareness? Okay, well, when I think about what self-awareness is, it's sort of the ability to look at ourself objectively. Um, it's a form of acceptance of the world as it is. At this point in time, we're not trying to change anything, and we're cert certainly not trying to change other people because we're focusing more on ourselves. It's looking in the mirror, the ability to take stock of where you are, and ideally taking a look at what got you to this point. And that's gonna, that doesn't mean ruminating or beating yourself up because, oh, I made, I should have done this better, I should have done that better. Because the, the goal is to ultimately improve yourself, hopefully, it's not about beating yourself into submission because that leads to depression. It's about looking at yourself and seeing, first of all, what, what you did right. That's usually where I like to begin. As a matter of fact, well, what did I do well? And what could I have done better? That's usually the way I phrase it so that it's not beating up myself because we all try our best and sometimes we stray a little bit. So, but I think the, the bigger problem we're trying to avoid here is when people either don't know to do this, they don't know to take stock of where they are, or they were still when they deliberately refuse to. And that might be out of fear because they don't think they'll like what they see in the mirror, or because maybe their pattern throughout their life has been to blame other people for things they don't like. I talked a little bit about that in the previous episode. Either way, we want to, that's, I think that kind of covers the what self-awareness is. So looking at yourself, looking at the world as it is, and trying to see yourself as clearly as you see other people, which kind of sounds weird because you know you better than anyone, and you, I, I, I like the, the expression that I heard that you have a front row seat to your inadequacies, which means that really you are quite aware of some of your shortcomings. We all are. This is why we don't need other people piling on top of those shortcomings or it can affirm those to us or confirm those to us and get us really down on ourselves. But we still need to look at ourselves honestly. And that'll, that's going to come into the more of that, the how to do it, I think, is how to look at ourselves honestly. But if we know that that's what it is, that's a pretty good starting point, I think. And why? Why would this be important in terms of physical and 
psychological development? Well, from a physical standpoint, I think I think it might be pretty apparent, but if not, I'll say anyway that anyone who's done a kind of transformation challenge or, or even just gone through changes, physical changes in their life, they know that looking at past pictures of yourself and then looking at the present, if enough time has elapsed, you will see significant changes, almost certainly. And that can be an indication to you as far as what good and bad things you've done in that time. And that time right now is now, today. So knowing where you are today compared to where you were compared to where you want to be, none of that is really relevant at all unless you look at where you currently are as honestly as possible. So you can't make any changes to yourself if you don't know what changes need to be made. For example, um, this is a good example from my personal life. When I was newly divorced, I was suddenly like, okay, well, this sucks. I'd been lonely for a long time before we broke up because, you know, things weren't terribly great between my wife and I, which is why we broke up, ex-wife. And I hadn't felt kind of the love and compassion I wanted, but then once we broke up, I was like, okay, it, it only took about a week or so before I was like, I'm ready to start dating. And then I came back from one date and it I had a fine time. The girl was lovely, and but my heart just told me something was off and I knew it wasn't her. It wasn't, I mean, I knew, and that's, I know it's a bit of a cliche to say it's, it's not you, it's me, but that was the honest truth. There was nothing particularly wrong with her. I mean, I wasn't crazy about her, but I knew that the problem here was me. And what I ultimately came to discover was, and and it was through this process of evaluating myself that I realized that what I was doing was I was making this decision to go on dates because I was lonely. So I made a promise to myself that I would not make decisions out of loneliness. So again, had I not known to look for loneliness in particular, and I'm not sure what made me look in that direction, then I probably wouldn't have done it in the first place. Uh, this brings me to another little subpath, and since my brain is going in funny directions, we'll carry on with it, is the the idea of, which is a little bit uh, abstract, but it's I think it's relevant, the idea of shining a light on the dark spaces of our mind or illuminating areas that we don't know, making a deliberate effort to do that, to look at the very things that maybe we'd want to try to avoid is a very humble and powerful thing to do, 
especially in those times where we realize we might not like what we see there. I especially like the image of a, a torch because fire has so many mythic meanings. You know, it's about knowledge. It's about it's about something that can on its own when, when we don't understand it be deadly but when we do understand it when we learn how to master this uh, it, it becomes an extremely valuable and even life-saving tool okay just gonna shut off the car here and I'll finish up this thought with the I did the what and the why of self-awareness the how okay now this this is where I was gonna get source material to help fill in the gaps of my knowledge and I'm gonna read a little bit more about this today maybe I'll have something to bring you in the days to come but for now the the best thing that strikes me at the moment is the way to do this is to ask yourself difficult questions and answer them honestly it because this is what it's all about, is being honest with yourself. And I know I'm pretty bad at this sometimes, especially when I realize that I've done something fucking stupid or put my foot in my... said something fucking stupid. Um, my personal tendency is to almost double down on something rather than admitting I was wrong about it. And that's maybe pride... And it's not good traits, and it's certainly not helpful. There is probably some utility in that, in saving face, for reasons I'm not completely certain what they are. But when it comes to trying to be self-aware, we can't afford to do that. So we have to be willing to ask ourselves these difficult questions, am I doing my best? things like that, why did I do this? Just asking ourselves difficult questions and answering them honestly. And keep in mind those answers aren't necessary, uh, probably aren't gonna be pleasant. Okay, I'm gonna retrace my steps a little bit and I remember at the beginning of this I was also talking about reverse periodization to, in a sense, trick yourself into being able to lift more weight. That's the theory, and it seems quite effective. Um, I'm going to finish up with this today because I I think it'll be helpful to get, leave you with something a little bit more practical than the sort of um, abstract concepts that I'm talking about throughout. So, like I said, I, I did... A variation of reverse pyramid training today and just to give you an idea of what that is it is where you use the heaviest weights first and then do less and less and less that's a typical pyramid type training would be the opposite of that so you'd start with a lightweight and then you'd progress heavier and heavier and heavier till you get to your maximal point. So both have benefits and downsides. The benefits of 
reverse pyramid training. I'll start with the other one first, actually. The benefits of a standard pyramid is that when you start off, it's easier, you get a a better sort of warm-up because you're starting with relatively lighter weights and perfecting your form with each one and then progressively making it heavier. The advantage with reverse pyramid training is that by... Well, for one thing, the sort of playing mental games with yourself. And also, your your body uses different energy systems to fuel itself. So, at the start of your workout, your ATP fuel is at its highest. And as you do intense, the more intense training you do, the more that gets depleted. So, so uh, yeah, I did a combination of those two types of pyramiding. Uh, for my own purposes, I called it kind of a V. So what I'm doing is I'm doing three sets of relatively high weights. Like I said before, I'm, I'm trying not to do more than one set of set at the same number of repetitions with the same amount of weight. So I'm starting it out uh, between starting at about 20 reps with a fairly light weight, then increasing it a bit for 15 reps, increasing it a little bit for around 12 reps. And then I'm jumping all the way down to six reps and jumping and then bumping it slightly up eight reps and then 10 reps. So that that's the idea. I gave it a try today. It seemed to work pretty well in terms of not getting overly exhausted to the point where I can't lift heavy weights when I want to. And also being able to being able to get enough of the metabolic effect that I feel that the workout has been beneficial. So today's final note that I'll touch on was this idea of pushing yourself outside the comfort zone. It's a pretty fundamental concept in terms of physique enhancement that if you want to improve, you've got to train your body to lift more over time. And if we get into the easy to fall into trap of getting somewhat comfortable, then it can be very difficult to push beyond that. So this is, I think, where self-awareness ties into that, is being aware of if we are truly pushing ourselves to do something new in a safe and productive way. It's just as important to that you push yourself a little bit as it is to make sure that you're not going too far. So, for example, if your current ability is to bench press, I don't know, say 150 pounds for 10 repetitions, then say, then 
getting underneath a bar that weighs 300 pounds might end up in death. Which isn't really what we're after. But getting under 155 pounds and trying for 10 reps or 150 pounds and going for 11 reps. Now this, this also implies that everything else is remaining constant. This is, this is something that I think of as true progressive overload is that you've got to keep all the other variables constant. So if your tempo is different, then it doesn't really count. If So if lifting a weight up and down faster, a lot faster, it's you're not getting the same stimulus as if you're controlling the weight somewhat slowly on the way down. Um, if your form is different, you know, if, if it's sloppier, you, again, for the example of bench press, if you, your back is arched way differently or your shoulders are not stabilized the same kind of way if they're not like rolled back or whatever. So there's a lot that goes into it. This is one of the reasons why progress is challenging because you have to remain, keep everything constant as much as possible and still try to uh, push beyond what your current level of capability is. So self-awareness can become extremely helpful in this pursuit when we pay close attention to those things, when we pay attention to our form and our tempo and all the things going on physically and mentally, but more so physically, while uh, doing training. I suppose it's being present in that moment, which is a concept that maybe I take for granted a little bit because when I went to film school and I was I was at the tender age of 21 and I was learning I was learning how actors create memorable performances and it all begins with the idea of being in the moment being present you sort of lose yourself within the role and I realized a couple years ago that this isn't a concept that everybody quite gets so maybe I'll try to I'll try to expand upon that a little bit here briefly because I remember I was having a very serious discussion with with somebody they thought it was odd that when I would do characters for YouTube that I would get so lost in the character that in a sense I wasn't myself I mean I was aware of everything I was doing I had certain aspects of me that was present but I was being somebody else I wasn't just it wasn't merely pretending it was I was becoming some uh, different character I was acting out and that began on the inside I was taking on the kind of 
position that I thought that person would, this character would, and trying to see the world through that character's eyes. So I understand it's not necessarily um, a self-evident type, type of process, but it's something good to try to practice. And in exercising and in trying to pay attention to my physicality to an even higher level, I began to notice these things uh, paying dividends. I think I made a lot of my first noticeable progress that I made physically was when I'm making that leap when I began to really take notice of my form, my tempo, which muscles were doing the work. All this from what I can tell is the idea of being present in the in every moment. And it's something that takes practice. It's one of the things that actually I've found can help strengthen this in a kind of secondary way, but it sort of pays off is through the practice of meditation, which I understand is kind of one of those things that who has time for it, if we're honest, but I've found a lot of benefit to be had in meditating post-workout specifically because when we're creating a massive stimulus that also heightens cortisol it's it's a stress on your system and what we want to do is we want to normalize that stress response as effectively as possible as quickly as possible and one of the best ways to do that is simply by the practice of meditation. And this practice of meditation helps teach you to focus your mind. And when you strengthen that ability, that mental ability to focus your mind, it also in turn helps your training to become more focused. So it's kind of this uh, circular benefit your workouts become more effective while you're actually doing them and your recovery becomes more effective because you're um, you're recovering a lot better all through this process of meditation so just to give you a starting point if you want to start doing that I sometimes actually even begin it process in the shower after a workout because it's it's kind of inconvenient depending on where you are to just sit down and meditate sometimes I'll do it in the car after training um, but what you want to do is you want to start with diaphragmic breathing so that means breathing using your diaphragm so you'll feel your your stomach 
move in and out as opposed to your chest moving in and out. So the way that I was trained to do it was sit upright because posture plays a role in it too. So you sit upright, you put one hand on your chest and you put the other hand on your belly and you breathe in nice and deep through your nose and make sure you're feeling your hand that's on your stomach moving and not the one on your chest so that you're expanding your your the lower part of your body and breathing using your diaphragm and just close your eyes and and think of this pay attention to your breaths and pay and think of the air coming into your body and filling the 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 blood in your system with nice clean oxygen you can even visualize it going to your muscles and beginning the repair process but the idea is that you want to have your eyes closed and think only of your breathing because that's essentially focusing your mind on one thing at a time meditation is all about avoiding the distractions that surround us so by focusing on your breathing you can get to an extremely high level of meditation and it takes practice because from time to time you'll notice your mind wandering you'll start thinking about what you've got to do that day or various things going on around you and you want to kind of gently move your mind back to your breaths one the, the very first way that I started doing meditation was actually to count backwards I'd normally start at 50 and count backwards and just focus on those numbers that's one way to kind of force your mind to think but you want to progress to the idea where you can simply focus on your breath and you don't need the sort of self-induced distraction of counting so I think I've left you with a fair amount of practical things and I think I've let my mind wander sufficiently for today it was nice to work through these ideas even though I made a deliberate attempt not to read off the page hoping that I would stumble my way across some new ideas I don't know that I necessarily did that much I think I did connect some ideas the idea of focus I didn't see myself winding up there or meditation I certainly wasn't connecting that dot with the self-awareness and, and connecting self-awareness to to physic the physical uh, form and all, all that stuff the the exercise moment I didn't know I'd make that connection so it's been pretty neat I've made a couple connections here and um, I guess I'll see you next time